pray with me? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for tonight. We, we thank you that we can call you our Lord and Savior. Um, we, we pray tonight that you would speak to us individually. You would speak to us through this word, and you would, you would uh, just do what only your spirit can do. And this would not be my words, Lord, but it would be your words speaking to these students tonight. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, last week we talked about pain and, and dealing with our past in the right way. Confessing our sins um, in a community. Being accountable for the things that, that we've done or have been done to us. And, and giving that pain to the Lord. And last week we were looking at our past. But this week I want us to look at our future as we talk about overcoming anxiety. I'm sure most of you can relate with that, but um, maybe I'm just going to give some examples. I don't know if this is you or not, but I don't know if you've ever looked up, like maybe your, your banking app on your phone, you went to your checking account, and like not as much money was in there as you thought that was in there the last time. Anybody? Anybody ever been there? I know I have, yeah. You're like, did someone steal my debit card without me knowing? Like, what happens? Maybe, <laughs> man. <laughs> But maybe, uh, maybe you logged on to Ramport, and uh, you, you're just so anxious to get that test grade back, and, and you get it back, and it's like half of what you thought it was going to be. You're like, Jesus, I studied. I don't know what happened. Is like this the class average? Is, is 40 average for this? Because that, that happened to me in college a few times. I really studied, and I just still made a 40. It's crazy. But uh, maybe... Maybe, maybe for you it was opening up a paycheck from work and realizing that um, a lot more taxes and Social Security were taken out of it than you thought was legal, right? You're like, man, I worked 40 hours, not 10, right? Oh, what's going on here? But I feel the pain. I can relate. And, and I feel like anxiety is one of those things I don't have to, like, super um, describe to you because we all deal with it. We know what it feels like. Just that feeling of our stomach drop into the floor. When, when something happens and the result is not what we expected. The outcome is not what we wanted. And uh, that causes anxiety in our hearts and our minds and our bodies. And I, I'm not really going to go too much into the science of it. But I know that, that when we're anxious, that releases the chemical in our body called adrenaline. And if you know adrenaline gets us pumped up, gets our heart going, it puts us into that fight or flight mode. And... Um, whether you're a Jesus follower in here or not, whether you, you call and have that relationship with him, I think we can all share and say in common that, that, um, that anxiety is not good for our bodies overall. Anxiety is something, it's not meant to be a resting state for our body. And, and uh, it, it's, it's for our body, it shuts down all non-essential organs in the moment, and we just go into like, let's get out of the situation, body. Let's survive and get to the, ne- the next day. And when... We, when we're anxious, when we worry about something that we can't control, that releases adrenaline in our body. And we feel anxious, we feel like we're smothered, we feel like we can't breathe. And that's what we call anxiety. And uh, I want us to, to look a little deeper into to the Word of God and to, and to the inspired Word by God to us, a love letter to us, His Bible, what, what Jesus says about anxiety and how we can hope to overcome anxiety tonight. And if you want to turn there, or um, if you want to look up on the screen, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. And before I read it, I want to give you a little bit of context on this. And, and you, we, we may read this, and you're like, that's simple, Reese, that's easy, but the people in the Bible weren't dealing with the problem as big as I'm dealing with today. And I would say to that, not really. This, this, 
First Peter was written by Peter in, in like the second generation of Christians ever. This was like the generation after Jesus. This was a community of brothers and sisters in Rome that were being persecuted, tortured, and going into slavery for admitting that Jesus Christ was their Lord and Savior. Um, they, they, would, they would put um, Christians, Romans would put Christians on crosses, pour wax on them, and burn them as like candles to light their city. I know that's a bit much, but that's what happened. And that's the context of the scripture. So when we read the word of God, we can know that, hey, those people have been through worse, you know? Like this word of God, the Bible still applies to our situation today, right? God cares about the details of your problems today, and he cares about what's going on in your life. And, and for Peter even to, to hear this from the Lord and write this, um, despite no seeing a way out of his um, circumstance, he says this, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, what does this look like? Um, I don't know if we got any fishers in the room, but um, I, at the end of this fishing pole, I have a little, a little note card, and it says anxiety. And this word, um, cast, you would maybe relate it to fishing nowadays. And, and what happens, if I can do this without breaking anything, um, we cast our anxiety out. We, we, may, we have an altitude conference we go to. We go to SALT. We go to church three or four weeks in a row. We really get in a groove with Jesus, if you know what I mean. We start reading our Bible, and it feels like we've casted our anxiety out to the Lord. We've given it to Him. But lo and behold, real life hits. Monday starts, and we, we spend a few days away from the Word of God. We stop praying. We stop praying. Then we, we go to a party. We hang out with the friends we know we shouldn't hang out with. We say yes when our schedule is already full. We say yes to that event we know we don't have any time to do. Our schedule is so full, we forgot to leave room for Jesus. We left no margin in our life for the Lord. And there you go. We reeled in the anxiety. We did the opposite of casting it out. I think when Peter wrote, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you, he didn't say cast them out and then hold the, the very thing that will bring them back to you. He said cast his anxieties to the Lord. And he, he, means, he means cast your anxieties out to the Lord, leaving no room for anxieties in your life. Are you with me? Are you with me? If you remember one thing tonight, remember the fishing pole. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Don't keep one hand um, on the fishing pole when the Lord wants you to let go. Jesus wants better for you than you want for yourselves. I know that's a challenging thought, but he really does. He's more excited to spend time with you than um, you're excited to spend time with him. It, it's a great thing. It's a comforting thought. And, and reading the scripture about anxiety, you say, Reese, this casting thing, it's, it, it's easier said than done. And I would say, yeah, it is. But um, how do we do this? How do we practically do this in our life? And I want to give you three tips, three things in some scripture just to apply this, things that we can do now to, to cast this anxiety from our life. And if you're taking notes, the first blank is the best place. Put yourself in the best place. If we want food, we go to the kitchen, right? If we want gas, we go to the gas station or Rosa's. Um, it just depends. But... Uh, uh, that's, that was so slow, but yeah. 
if we want a relationship with the Lord, we hang out with other people that have a relationship with the Lord. Are you with me? If we want a healthy community, we go to a healthy community. We surround ourselves with the thing that we desire before we fit in, before it feels comfortable. I think you could be doing a lot of things on this Tuesday night. You could be with a lot of people, getting a lot of things done. But I want to say you're in the best possible place you could be right now. You're in a community of believers that are chasing after the Lord with you. Not everybody's perfect in here. We all sin. But I can tell you this. There's a team of leaders in this room that care about your spiritual walk more than you may care about it in the moment. They want to see you come closer to the Lord this next year, over the summer. They want to help you Um, draw closer to the Lord. And that all starts with a connection card, getting in a life group, getting back in community, being in the best place possible for the Lord to work in your life. I think for us, we tend to hang hang out with a, a, a group, a, a clique of people that make us comfortable, right? We, we have our little, our little group we get into and, and hang out every day, but, but God has called us to, to hang out with the people that not, don't make us comfortable, but make us better. Right? Hang out with people that challenge us in our faith. Hang out with people that push us to think differently than we've ever thought. Hang out with people that want more for us than we do ourselves. This is why we have life group leaders. This is why we have Tuesday nights. Being in the best place possible to hear the voice of the Lord and to grow in your faith with the Lord. Maybe this looks like removing some friends from your life. Saying no to a few hangout nights that you used to would have said yes to. Doing the new thing. Doing the different thing. Saying yes to a group of people you may have not felt comfortable saying yes to before. I remember in my, in my walk, I had a time in Chi Alpha where I, I started hanging out with, with Chi Alpha people instead of uh, my people from back home. And, and it, it changed a lot. And it was hard at first. I had to tell guys, I'm not going out to drink tonight. I'm not doing that. And they would, they would judge me. They would call me things. And I realized that those friends, that they didn't want to hang out with me. They wanted to hang out with what I could do for them or what I could get for them. But the people in this room, your life group leader, your spiritual mentor, a, a godly community wants you for who you are and what Christ wants to do in you and through you. That's why we have to be in the best place possible. That's what Jesus would do. And I guarantee you, if you do this, you're going to remove some unwanted anxiety from your life. Real friends. Number two, best perspective. Best perspective. Where you sit determines what you see. And I don't know if any, any baseball fans in the house. Yeah, a few? Well, I remember my first Rangers game. Um, I went to, I think I was like eight. We set up like in the, in the nosebleed seats, if you want to call them that. I think it was like $6 a seat, me and my parents. And, and it was so hot. It was like 100 that day. And we were all sunburned. Uh, we lost our voice. We were yelling at the players, but they never heard us. We were like a mile in the sky, you know. But um, I remember that. I remember the experience. But I remember being so far away from um, the players, being so far away. And, and for us in our spiritual life and in, in, in our, um, in, in our community life, how far do we sit away from the things of God? Do we choose the nosebleed seats because it's easier? When, when, when God wants us to be on the front row, close to the action, what you see determines who you'll be. What you see determines who you'll be. The input of your life, the things that you inject in your body, in your mind, in your heart, will define you over time if they have not already. The music you listen to, 
um, the, the, the movies you watch, just overall the media that's in your life um, will, will change the way you talk to your parents. They'll change the way you talk to your girlfriend or boyfriend. They'll change the person that you are. So what you see determines who you'll be. What you, what you put in front of your face, what, what you uh, listen to, the things that you do determine the person that you are. And if we have the choice to be like Jesus, wouldn't we want that? Wouldn't we want to say, Jesus, I want to be like you so I can put you in front of me, your word, your community, prayer with you, spending time with you. When we put ourselves at the foot of the cross, we can't help but see Jesus at work. Amen? When we surround ourselves so closely with the word of God, with our relationship with God, we may see what's on CNN, we may see what's on Fox, we see what's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter every day. It's not good. I see it too. But when, we're place, when we place ourselves at the foot of the cross, where we're so surrounded by his love and his grace and his mercy, we have no choice but to act out of that love which he's given to us. We have no choice but, but to see what Jesus has done for us. Yes, there's going to be bad things going on in the world, but we have his love and his peace surrounding us. What can we do to put ourselves at the, feet of, uh, the foot of the cross tonight? Now, Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 through 7. And again, we find the writer in a very tough situation. The Apostle Paul, he's writing this literally in prison. He's being chained, he's being tortured daily, but he's, he, he's still keeping the faith. And, and right before this, he says, rejoice. Again, I say to you, rejoice. And like, how, how much faith does he have to, to rejoice while he's in prison being tortured for his faith? So, so we go on and Paul says here, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now I want us to look again at the middle verse here. And I want you to picture yourself at, in a swimming pool, maybe at a younger age. And I don't know if you've done this, but maybe, maybe you used to like float on a basketball or, or a giant volleyball or a giant beach ball in, in a swimming pool, right? It could, it could serve as a flotation device. And, and you could just kind of hold on to it and you would kind of float around and stay above the water, right? Has anybody done that? Yeah, you all know what I'm talking about? Okay. And I, I, I can't have a swimming pool, obviously, but I have this. And we can hold on to this ball, and we can push down, and it can be the thing that keeps us afloat. But it says, do not be anxious about anything, but every, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In other versions say, let your request be known to God. And I think we can picture this ball, the beach ball, whatever you want to picture it as, is our anxiety in our life. The thing that's keeping us afloat. Or at least the thing we think that's keeping us afloat. So we hold on to it. We, we try to push down and, and, and manage our own anxiety. But if we listen to what Paul says here in the scripture, he says, present your request to God. And what that means is letting go. Giving those anxieties to the Lord. And, and if you know, if you've been in a swimming pool, you, you know what that feels like. Knowing that, that you're floating yourself, the, the ball is not your flotation device anymore, right? You're letting those anxieties come to the surface. 
They're not the thing you're trying to hold down under the water and let manage you anymore. But you're letting those requests, letting those sufferings, by, but with thanksgiving, by prayer and petition, give those things to the Lord. Let them go. I hope you see the point I'm trying to make here. It's okay to be real with the Lord and let these anxieties come to the surface. Tell someone about them. Write them down. But first of all, give them to the Lord. Say, Jesus, I want you to be in this area of my life. I want you to take these anxieties. And, and a few little side points on, on Philippians 4, 7, what we just read. Prayer takes the focus off of the situation and puts it on the power of God. And all I want you to write down there is the word prayer. It takes the focus off the situation and it puts it on the power of God. Now when we pray, we're releasing our problems and anxieties to the Lord, trusting that he will take care of them because he loves us, renewing our trust. And right here, for, right, this is all I want you to write, releasing our problems. So you ha- now have prayer, releasing our problems, and then when we release our problems to God, he will replace them with his peace. What God takes out, that's not of him, that's of this world. He'll replace that something that's from heaven. He'll put his peace in the spot that our anxieties held. He'll put his peace in the spot that our fear took captive. That place in your heart, that place in your mind that you just couldn't seem to break the, the, the lock to. The, the locked room that, that was hiding all your fear and anxiety. The Lord wants to fill that room that was filled with fear with his peace. And not just any peace, but a peace that transcends all understanding, and that's from him. It'll guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Not just any peace, but the peace of God. God will replace that with his peace. He wants to replace your anxiety tonight. Now point three, have the best priorities. The best priorities. Now I'm willing to bet the thing that you're the most anxious in your life with right now is the thing you care the most about, right? If I go home and get a flat tire tonight, you're probably not going to lose any sleep because of it, right? It's not the pressing most important thing in your life. But if you get a flat tire, it's now your priority. It's something that affects you and it, it, it affects your day and, and it is a priority. So, so we, we give over anxiety to the things that we see is most important. And I want to give you a definition of anxiety. Anxiety is thinking deeply about the thing that the Lord never intended you to think deeply about. Thinking deeply about the thing that the Lord never intended for you to think deeply about. And most of you here are college students. And when you think of the word college student, you usually think of the word time management somewhere thereafter. We have to manage our time. We have to do the right things. We have to allot the right times in our day to study, to, to, to go to class, to go to work. But time management is only a tool if we're managing our time for the wrong things. So, like, what is your priority tonight? What's the thing that you're managing your time for? We can manage our time all day to play video games or go do that thing. But if we're not managing our time for spending time in prayer and reading the word with Jesus, where is that getting us in our faith? How is that having the best priority, right? Managing our time in the right way, using the tools that God's given us to have the best priorities. 
So I want to ask you a few questions. What, what are your priorities? And are my priorities, what should be my priorities? Are the things that I wake up and go to sleep thinking about in my life, the things I should wake up and going to sleep thinking about tonight, right? Are, the, are my priorities this weekend what God wants me my, for my priorities this weekend to be? Can, can I challenge you to let your relationship with God be the priority in your life? Be the main thing. Now I want to share the, this quote with you. Um, it's from, from a guy named Paul David Tripp. It says, peace is found only in trust. Trust the one who, who is in control of all things that tend to rob you of your peace. Trusting God is the thing that will bring peace in our life. Trusting that his plan for our future is better than what we could come up with anyways. Amen? Jesus never promised us security, but he did promise us his peace. We may have a five-year plan. We may have a ten-year plan. We may have what we think is going to happen um, in the next seasons of our life. But, but can we say tonight, God, you can have my future. You can have what's next. You can have the thing that I don't know what's going to happen with yet. And I want you to write this down. I, I want to share this, this. It's actually a song lyric and, and then a few more scriptures with you. But it, it, it's for every fear, there's an empty grave. I don't know if you recognize that, but that's from a song called Overcome. For every fear, there's an empty grave. For the risen one has overcome. But I want us to focus on this. For every fear you have in your life, for every anxiety you're feeling tonight, there's a victory that we can think of. There's a victory that's already been won. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Yes, but he rose on the third day and he left that grave for us. To take that place of our sins, of our anxieties. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says, He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the message of the gospel in one verse. Jesus already has won the victory that we're trying to win today. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 through 15 says this, You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against you, against us, and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. Jesus disarmed the devil by dying on the cross. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die for your sins. He died for your anxieties. He died for your worries. He died for anything you may be feeling like is is bigger than life tonight. The thing that you can't handle, Jesus has already nailed that to the cross. Amen? The victory has already been won. Jesus disarmed the power of the enemy by nailing it to the cross. For every fear, there's an empty grave. For every fear, there's an empty grave. And especially after last week, I know that the Lord was moving in here if you were here as we talked about confessing our sins. And I just feel like the Lord wants to say tonight that, that he loves you unconditionally. The Lord loves you wholeheartedly. He loves you continually. There's nothing you could ever do to stop Jesus from loving you. There's nothing that's ever been done to you that can stop the love of Jesus. 
within the characteristics of God, he is love. He is peace. And anything we try to fit our lives outside of him, we'll never find a peace that sustains us. But he wants, he wants us to not go through this life anxious, worried, stressed out about our classes tomorrow. Not, not knowing what we're going to do on the next test. Not knowing how we're going to make it to next month's rent. But he wants to walk with him, in him. Cleansing ourselves, filling ourselves with the peace that only comes from him. The same peace as we talked about in Philippians that transcends all of our understanding, anything we could imagine. He wants to give us that peace today. I know that comforts me. I hope it comforts you. Now, you don't have to buy nice clothes or go through certain ceremonies to get to Jesus. All he wants is a surrendered heart tonight before him. A heart that's saying, here God, you can have my life. You can have all of me. You can have my future because you're good enough because I trust you more than I trust myself. I trust your plan for me more than, more than I trust this world's plan for me. Jesus wants all of you. And if we can say tonight, Lord, I give you my future. I give you what's next. I have this plan. I have this major you want me to do. I have this job. And I know what I may want to, want to do after that. But Lord, if you want to redirect my steps, I'm okay with that. Because I trust you. Because I love you. Because your plan is greater than my plan. And it says in scripture that, that he doesn't start something that he doesn't finish. I promise you, if you have a surrendered heart before Jesus, he'll take away that anxiety. You're going to have a lot harder time being anxious before him. He just wants a surrendered heart. John 16, 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, your parents may get divorced. In this world, you may lose that job. In this world... Your boyfriend, your girlfriend may leave you. In this world, stuff may happen. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. True peace is not found in the absence of problems, but it's found in the presence of God. That's a quote from Craig Rochelle. We, we, we're never going to get to this place in our life where like, ah, all right, God, everything is great. And I can finally focus on you. I wish life was like that. But it's not. God wants us to cling to him, to, 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 to stay in his presence, despite all the things that are going on in our life. Things will happen. That was the words of Jesus. He says we will have trouble. This is a broken, hurting world. But take heart. I've overcome. Take heart so that you can rest in my peace today. He, don't, he doesn't want us to walk through this life alone and anxious. We can overcome anxiety by knowing that Jesus has overcome the world for you and for me. And the more we remember the gospel message, Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the dead on the third day, by leaving that grave behind, the more we can dwell on this and remember this, the easier for, it, for us it's going to be to not be anxious. We can overcome our anxiety knowing that Jesus has overcome the world from us.